Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast. Um, Jenny gave me the intro today, so <laughs> maybe I'll have to give you final thoughts. We'll no, see. No, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Changing it up. <laughs> you know, we just got, well, you got to keep it fresh, you know. Is that, is that how that works? Keeping it real. I, I don't know. Now I'm all discombobulated, making me go first. But yeah, we are here um, again on, um, for me, a beautiful day. Um, but I'm in Missouri, so it's 60 degrees. Don't, don't, don't. Although it feels <laughs> like 60, if it's like 40, a little less than, it was like 37. It feels really warm out there at 37 degrees because 37 is not 27 or 17. So I get it. That It's I'll all take, I'll take 37. Although it's cloudy. It's super cloudy here. All right. Yeah, we got a, we got a blue sky out there. So oh, that's we, nice. <laughs> it is. And my, I don't know. I have dogs barking too at everyone they can see on this beautiful day walking outside. <laughs> but uh, so we're here again. We're talking about uh, Luke 15 uh, still. So we had been through um, the parable of the lost sheep and um, talking what it meant to have no, um, no justifiable losses in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I know anything you want to unpack further from last last time we met Jenny. Well, no, there's a, I mean, there's so much in these yeah. in these three parables in Luke 15. Um, but just the idea that um, that the shepherd is willing to to go out on a limb if mm. it, if you if you will, and and even though he's got 99 sheep that you know, and actually, okay, so I do want to point out in verse. Seven. There's two sections of verse seven of Luke 15. It says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's Jesus being funny. <laughs> okay. Because are there righteous people who do not need to repent? No. Correct. Right. So. Um, the fact is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we go ahead. Well, and I think too he's he's, he's jabbing at them a little bit too, because yeah, they think the they've yeah, because they think they've arrived. And he's like, "There's no there's no one clapping for you. <laughs> no red carpet being rolled out for your so called righteousness." Right. You know? Well, he's he's also pointing out to the Pharisees because remember if you if you listen to last week. Which I highly encourage you go listen to to last week's episode if you haven't listened to it. Um, the the audience here for Jesus is the Pharisees. They have they they were the ones who had the issue with Jesus that he was eating and 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 hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus says these parables to explain, hey, this is why I hang out with sinners and tax collectors because heaven rejoices when sinners repent. These sinners and tax collectors are repenting. They're coming to a knowledge of the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And you should also be rejoicing. And you're not. And mm -hmm. this is a problem. Mm -hmm. And you're getting cranky because I'm hanging out with the wrong people, according to you. But in point <laughs> of fact, they're the right people. Yeah. We want people to get saved. Oh, Woo! not them. <laughs> right. I remember, uh, 
I was watching some Christian movie um, with Brian. I don't remember. They're all sometimes the same. But there was, I'm sorry. I'm not jabbing at badly made Christian movies. But there was a, okay, I am. But there was a line in this one. This guy was in a mega church type of thing. And he was like assistant pastor to the children's third grade ministries or something. And he was, uh, and he was on the team and, uh, or like the, and they were talking about outreach and the senior pastor in this movie was talking about, well, you know, the problem with outreach is when they reach back. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the movie's about the guy going and starting his own little church and learning the meaning of community. But that line yeah. always kind of just stuck with me sometimes. Like when I get mad at, or Lord, why are you sending me these people? You know, not, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You know, and they're I like, well, when you have outreach, they reach back. <laughs> That's kind of the point. That's the whole reason we're doing the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, if you've ever thought to yourself, I want pe I want new people in my church. And then new people come and you say, well, not those people. I need you to I need you to take a step back. And think about think about that for a minute. Because yeah. God welcomes sinners who repent, right? Mm -hmm. He is actively seeking the lost. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people who will walk in your doors that are difficult people. But people are people. And, right. you know, you try to see them through the eyes of Jesus. And, and just like for me and you, Jenny, someone saw for us when we were. I know. When I was we were the one, my story the other night, yeah. <laughs> Somebody put up with my nonsense for months, <laughs> for months. God bless her. I just tell you, I don't know that I would have put up with me that long. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so if we look at the progression, so we're not going to dwell too much more on the lost sheep. Um, there is some more there, um, but we're going to keep going. The lost coin is very short. I'm just going to read it so you guys kind of uh -huh. know it and then kind of do the progression. But this is what it says. Luke 15, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Mm -hmm. So again, now this is the one point that uh, the book Kenneth Bailey wrote has that I that I see intriguing intrigues me is that she lost it inside the house. Um, hmm. And so we have people inside our homes, quote unquote. That are lost. Now you can take that a couple different ways. You could say like oh. in your family, right? Okay. Or you could say within your congregation, right? So it, it isn't just those people out there, but you could have someone lost within your own house. You know, Jen, I have never ever read it that way. Oh, where the sh I know. Well, okay. So the where the sheep goes like away from the camp, right? Yep. And so those are the people that are outside, right? That get out and they've gone outside. But this is 
a little closer to home inside your own house. Oh, you enlightened me. There you go. You know, I, I was just looked at it as upping the ante in value and scarcity. Uh, okay. You know. Well, because it does. Because you go from one out of 100 to right. one out of 10. Right. And then the sheep points. is valuable, right? Mm -hmm. But um, the coin or the drachma is a full day's wages. So mm -hmm. if you only have 10 of them, I mean, that's a whole paycheck, for example, goes missing. Right. You're going to find it. You're going to wait till you find it. But I never took the correlation to, for the in the house. And that how are we giving as much attention to the people who have gone totally out as to the people who might still be in but lost? Right. Oh, op opening my ears here a little bit, Jenny Moffitt. <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. But yet they still rejoice and they call their neighbors and they yeah. still rejoice. Right. So I just think sometimes um, we're so enthusiastic about those people out there that sometimes we don't notice the people inside who are struggling, who just still keep coming mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, but might be struggling or those within your own household. Like I know, you know, family members who, you know, don't know the Lord, that can be tough. So, but then we have the culmination of this chapter and we could spend, oh gosh, we could spend several weeks um, just on the lost sons. I'm going to, I'm going to keep using it as plural lost sons, because quite frankly, both of the sons in the story are lost. So I think Amanda, just for today, because I'm looking at the clock and thinking, you know what, we probably need to just cover a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think we just cover the two first two, 11 and 12. All right. And and see where it takes us if we, if we have time for a couple more, but um, those of you who, who have not read Luke 15, mm -hmm. I encourage you, please go find a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I'm sure you can go to the local church and find one. You can reach out to Gideon's and you can get a free Bible. I guarantee you they'll give you one if they, if you ask. Um, but, uh, find a Bible. Anyway, Luke 15, read through the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son as it's often called, but Luke 15, 11 and 12 says this, we're just going to talk about the first two verses right off the bat here. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, that doesn't seem like a whole lot of anything to like, well, how can you come <laughs> with the rest of your time on just those verses? <laughs> oh, oh, friends, I I can talk a lot about a lot of things. But uh, do you have an NIV tonight today as well? I actually or? have an NLT. All right. We wanna, you want to read just 11 and 12 in your, your translations? I sure do. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Okay. So that, yeah, that gives a little bit of nuance to the, to the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenneth Bailey, who's the, the author of The Cross and the Prodigal, I highly recommend as a book to read to give you insights on Luke 15. He translates this. As And the younger, verse uh, 12, as the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he, he divided his living between them. Now, there's mm -hmm. a couple things. So we live 2,000 years, give or take, 
after this book was written. In addition, we live in the 21st century Western world um, that is not predominantly agricultural. And even like, <laughs> to be honest, Amanda and I live in somewhat more rural settings, cities, but still mm -hmm. we've got farmland around us. But their farmland, their agriculture was vastly different than now. I think of the the dairy farms that are around me. They do not look anything like a farm would have been in the first century in mm -hmm. Israel. So Jesus in, in this parable is expressing a family probably with some money mm -hmm. who definitely, I mean, this father has an estate that can be divided. So it's got, they've got to have some sort of means, right? This isn't just the, the poorest of the poor, you know, not, not even two coins to rub together. This, these, these, this father probably had some wealth. But it's interesting how the, the way the, the younger son words this <laughs> is very interesting. He does not, in point of fact, say, give me my share of the inheritance. He does not use the word inheritance. Now, the reason he does not use the word inheritance is because inheritance implies responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Think because you, go ahead. Oh, sons did not just inherit their dad's stuff. They inherit their dad's role in the family. Yep. So there's a lot of nuance that goes into that yep. um, in taking over the family. Yep. And they inherit the dad's role in the in the village in the yeah and if this dad was somewhat more wealthy he would have probably had a very prominent place in his village and so he <laughs> just wants cash like this this is the this is the way to say it to just say i want my cash allowance now like whatever half i'm supposed to get and it's not even half like we also think of of this as a 50 50 split Mm -hmm. um, in this first century peasant culture, uh, the older son, I believe, uh, I wish I would have looked at this a little bit more, but I think it's 75% the, the oldest son. Mm -hmm. um, and so the younger son would actually only get 25%. Either which way, it's not a 50-50 split. So whatever those percentages are, it's not 50-50. And the younger son wants cash dollars, like in the, in the sense that he... Think about this man's estate. It's probably it's not cash, right? He's got land. He's got animals. He's got servants. He's got buildings, maybe, or certainly a house, maybe some outbuildings. So, in order for this dad to give the younger son his portion of the money related to his portion of the estate, he's got to sell off some stuff, mm -hmm. and he's got to do it fast because this younger son like wants this now right yeah but he doesn't want the responsibility of it right he's not like saying give oh. me a couple sheep to go start I my own it's, farm the younger son gets one third from Deut deuteronomy 21 17 okay thank you thank you one you're welcome i found it i appreciate that <laughs> um so it's not that he wants sheep or goats to like start his own property Right. He just wants cash dollars to go move somewhere else and live on his own completely um, independent of his family and of his father. 
In addition, this phrasing has an undertone of, Dad, I wish you were dead. Yeah, I'm tired of waiting around for you to die. <laughs> so just give me what I would get if you were to be dead. Yeah, and um, and and again, that nuance of of this stuff is tied up into so much of the communal stuff that by asking for this, he's putting the entire family at risk. He he's not just disrupting the relationship between me, him, and his dad. He's disrupting his relationship between him and the whole village. Right. Like yep. that ripple effect. Well, and and this would have been this would have been very public in a village. In the first century peasant culture, you wouldn't like the the village would have known that okay. the, you know the son asked for this, and it would have been scandalous to the father. A father's appropriate response in that culture would be like, "Excuse you." Paraphrase is mine, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm sorry, dude. That's not that's not going to happen. Like, go sit down and mature a little bit, grow up. Um, <laughs> But the dad says, well, and we're going to get to that later, but um, the dad gives him his portion. But again, that requires the father to sell off some, some livestock, possibly, land, possibly, enough to get the son the one-third cash value of, his, yeah. of, of the portion that falls to him. That's, and, and think about it. When you sell, and when you want to sell right now, you're probably not going to get as good a deal, right? Mm -hmm. If you're urgently trying to sell something or if you can be patient and find the right buyer at the right price, right? You're mm -hmm. probably going to sell for less than it's actually worth just to, to get the quick sale. Mm -hmm. So this, this could hurt the father quite considerably financially because of the sale of some of this property to accommodate the, the son's request. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a costly and extravagant thing that the father does to acquiesce to this request. So yeah, I actually like throwing that Pirates of the Caribbean reference. <laughs> I like it. I'm for it. But I like what uh, Kenneth Bailey had said in his book. You know, he called it a mutiny. Yeah, he's rebelling against the whole the whole system of his family. Right. Yep. And the dad, well, we'll get to it that too later, but he's allows it to happen. Yep. Because he lets him choose for himself. Mm -hmm. Now, did you get into the section where um, the older son's responsibility in this scenario? Uh, yeah. So, so in first century peasant culture, if because right now what's happening, the younger son does not have respect or love for his dad. Because if he mm -hmm. did, in that culture, he would never have requested this this money. Okay. He just he, even if he was even if he hated his brother, he would have gone about it a different way. For him to, mm -hmm. to ask for his share from his dad, he's got no love or respect for his dad or his brother. Okay. Um, for what, and who knows why, right? We don't know why. It's it's a parable. It's a story. We don't know why. But in in that culture, in that time, that's what that shows: no respect or love for the dad or the or the brother. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, in that culture, in that time, 
it would have been the older son's responsibility as the older son to step in mm -hmm. to try to, to reconcile, mediate oh. that relationship. If he had, if, if the older son respected and loved his father, it was yeah. his responsibility to at least attempt to, to go to the younger son and say, what are you doing, man? Don't you right. see what this is? Don't, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. But even if the older brother didn't like the younger brother, if he loved his and respected his father, he should bless you. My dog just sneezed. Anyway, uh, he should have stepped in to mediate. He doesn't. Now, there's a little bit of an argument from a lack of information, but I think Jesus leaves it out on purpose. Like the older brother didn't care to reconcile the younger brother. Now, if we think about who each character represents, God the Father, the Father is God. The older brother are the Pharisees. The younger brother is the tinner or tax collector. If that's the case, it makes sense that he doesn't say anything about the older brother stepping in. Because we already know the Pharisees do not want to associate with sinners and tax collectors. Mm -hmm. So clearly they don't have the respect and love for their father, a.k.a. God, to try to mediate between God and the younger sibling. Mm -hmm. When I read that... Because I didn't know that was a part of first century peasant culture. It yeah. makes perfect sense. But it also then makes perfect sense as a, a jab that Jesus makes towards the Pharisees and their lack of a willingness to even try to speak to sinners and tax collectors. Because ostensibly, right, the Pharisees were religious leaders. They were the ones who who knew the law and understood how God wanted us to live and so then should be mediators between God and sinners. Uh -huh. But they're like, no, we don't want to. Those people make us dirty or those people are sinners. And they're so far away from God that we're just not going to associate with them. Ironically, Jesus, we find out, is the beautiful, perfect mediator between God and humans. Right? The perfect oh, yes. older brother. By going to the cross and dying for us, by rising again, again and ascending into heaven, he sits at the throne of God, right? The right hand of the throne of God. And he mediates. He is the thing that reconciles us to our Father in heaven. Whew. All from two verses of the, pro of the prodigal son. How about that? I'm sorry, say it again. I was reading. Oh, I just, how about that? Like, yeah, just two, <laughs> two verses. Like, we haven't even covered the yeah. whole story yet. All of that stuff was in two verses. Yeah, it's good. And then it just shows the Supreme how how, how Jesus gets it right, you know? Uh-huh. When we, when we fail, when, when he takes over the role that we didn't even know we needed. <laughs> right. Yeah. But again, I you said it, you nailed it on the head last week that this is a story about two two sons who don't know the love of their father. Right. Yep. A um, couple other things that uh, I pulled up uh, the cross and the prodigal, uh, the Kenneth Bailey book. Um, as you said, the the request that the younger son has is and it's it's mutiny, but also. Um, a relationship is broken, not a law. 
Mm, yeah. So when the when the son asks for the money, he actually hasn't broken a law, but he has broken a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the prodigal, so the the lost son, the younger son, doesn't seem to care about what it's going to do to the to the family. He just wants his money and he wants it now. It's a very self centered request. Mm-hmm. Right. I want what I want. And I don't care about the consequences of, of that. Mm. Right. And and I think of all the the TV commercials, get what you deserve. Get it the way you want it. You know, um, I think it was, I don't remember, there's a commercial for computers once. And like, customize this computer for whatever... For what you want it to be, or I don't remember how when it was back in the late '90s, early 2000s, but all these (laughs) commercials of "What do you want? Get what you want. Get what you deserve." And Mm -hmm. the fact is, what we deserve (laughs) is death. Yeah. And what we want is very often not what we need. Mm Hmm. And. And here the younger son does not realize that his request breaks his father's heart. Yeah, either he's totally oblivious or he's cruel. Yeah, and I think it's obliviousness. I don't think it's cruelty, but I guess it could be cruelty um, if he hates his father. And if we think about this from the perspective of each individual's relationship or non-relationship with God, I guess there could be some folks who, who hate God for whatever yeah. reason. But I think you're right. I think it is more ambivalence. The younger son is so wrapped up in his wants and desire and dreams that he has no room to think about what it does to his father. Right. Or to his brother or anybody else. He's just focused on, I want what I want right now. Right. And, um, and he's so self-absorbed, he doesn't even consider the ramifications, like you said. Um, and and sometimes that is the way of sinners who go their own way. Yeah. You know, like I, I, a lot of people I know, their first inclination is, I'm I'm just going to make God mad. Now, some people are that way. Yeah. But mostly they're like, eh, God just wants me to be happy, right? God will give me what I want to be happy, right? If he really loved me, he'd give me what I wanted, right? And Yep, I've heard that. And don't even see the ramification of what that actually means or looks like. Well, we were talking earlier, there, there are some folks who, through no conscious fault of their own, just cannot see if you will, but on their own nose, right? Like they just, because of immaturity, because of, you know, circumstances in their life, sometimes because of willful, you know, I'm just not going to because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, They just can't see beyond my needs, my indignation about life. You know, I'm a victim. I'm... You know, I'm the center of the universe, don't you know? Um, and it takes 
it takes a radical readjustment hmm. to be able to pull yourself out of that enough to realize, oh my gosh, my words and my actions have implications. And no, it's not that people just don't, you know, are just difficult or hate you or fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending on the person, but, but it's so easy when you're self and self-centered and self-absorbed. And I don't mean that as like an, a full, full on accusation, because sometimes it's ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. Self-centered because I'm, because I'm ignorant of the fact that I'm self-centered, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when it when it crosses a line, when you like can figure it out, but you're still self-centered, well, then we need to have a little conversation about something else. So that's reminded me of a of a video game I'm playing. I'm not going to say the name of it. It's not it it's not a spiritual thing, <laughs> but it's set in a post apocalyptic world. It's actually the second game in a series, and um, the second game is all about revenge. So. The movie starts out with, um, you know, these two clans and one. So a person from the one clan comes over to the other clan, kills the main guy because he killed her dad. And so you're playing through the main girl's revenge on this girl who got revenge. Okay. Okay. You following me? Yep. I think so. So, you, so you're So you're playing this whole time trying to get revenge on this girl that killed her father figure who killed her father figure because he killed her father fi figure. Gotcha. Okay. So it's re it's revenge for revenge. It's revenge for revenge. Yes. Man. This, so that you play. End. So That's you play. Never well, fed. okay. So you anyway. play half the game as the first character. Then you play half the game as the other character. Oh, and it like messes you up because who is the enemy? Right. And even as you're playing the first character, you're like, I don't want to kill that person, but the game makes you, you know, but you're like, ah, oh. but no, like, stop. You know? Oh, you know, yeah. There's so and much spiritual truth in that. Amanda. I know. So that's why I'm bringing it up. And, um, but you're like, who is the enemy? Really? You're like, just go home. Stop. But the game is making you, but you're like, no, it's not going to end well. And then you get empathy for the bad guys. And you see their whole camp and you see the people that you actually killed as the other character. And then you like see them being best friends and you're like, oh, I don't want, they love their dog. And I had to kill that dog. Like, you know, because um, it was a guard dog anyway. So, yeah. and it, but it's like messing, it just messes you up a little bit. But this kind of thing of um, these underlying ramifications, just because, because when you're the first character, all you think about is I like, they should never have done that. They're the worst. They're the bad guys. Yeah. And I'm just getting justice, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Absolutely. you come in as the other character who's just getting justice. And and there's these other side characters who are just trying to mediate, like you said. And they're like, why don't we just let them go? It's fine. Like, it's just, we're moving yeah. out. We'll never, no, they need to be held accountable for what they're doing. And that, and you're just like, there has to be a better way. Right. You know? And there is through Jesus, yeah. It's there is. Who is the real enemy? Yeah. Well, in this scenario, it's misplaced. Just I mean, right. misplaced justice but is the real the enemy. World, like we, 
we are so divided as a world. Mm -hmm. Republicans and Democrats, left versus right, Russians versus Ukrainians. Now there's aggressors. I'm not okay. Please don't hear this as a political yep, yep. statement, friends. Okay, I I actually have friends in both Russia and Ukraine right now. But mm -hmm. anyway, that's neither here nor there. But who is the real enemy? Ah, mm. oh. <laughs> there are no acceptable losses in the kingdom of heaven. Right. Exactly. I think I think to the Hunger Games only because of the phrase. Who you know? Remember who our enemy is when mm. Finnick. In uh, was it the second one or the third? Second one. The second one, the tribute one, where they're all the tributes. Yeah, where they're all in that clock-like <laughs> world, and and he holds up his his hand, and he's got that gold bracelet, uh, from Haymitch, uh, and he says, uh, remember who the real enemy is, mm -hmm. something like that, or remember who your friends are. But I think it's remember who who the real enemy is, and the and that's that's it. Like, can we all hold up gold bracelets and just? <laughs> Hey, remember who the enemy is like, right. And, and take a step back. Like that's one of the things I learned and this is going to sound super silly, but when I worked at the grocery store, I worked at the deli counter and I cut meat and cheese. Right. And I made trays <laughs> and I made sandwiches and people would come up and they would request, you know, a pound of ham or a pound of chicken or whatever they wanted. Right. And people would come up just horrible, just, like rude is all get out and angry and yell at us. And, and I will tell you 100% of the time had nothing to do with me. It yeah. wasn't about the ham or the chicken <laughs> or the cheese or the whatever. Right. It was yeah, some, who their hurt, world. Who hurt you? What who hurt you in the party? Right, who hurt you? What, what has <laughs> happened today or yesterday or this week that you are unloading now, I wouldn't have said it like this, but you are unloading mm -hmm. on an unsuspecting part-time deli employee at a grocery <laughs> store. Like, okay, take a deep breath. But I, but you can't take it personal in that moment, right? Where mm -hmm. you, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. You have like, it's been a rough day. I found out one time <laughs> this lady just railed into one of our part-time staff no. members, and. She came back two weeks later. She was a regular. She came in all the time. She came in two weeks later, apologizing profusely. The time before, two weeks be before that, um, she had just had to put her dog down that morning. Oh. And so she was mad at the world. And she happened to take it out on one of my, one of the, one of the staff. Yeah. And I, you know, but you realize that actions that pe like things that happen, actions that happen, there's more to the story. And mm -hmm. 90, I don't, I don't want to say 90%, a whole lot of the percentage of time. It's not because they're malicious, trying to be malicious. Right. It's not because they're trying to be a jerk. Can it be? Yeah. There are some people who live like that, who just try to be jerks. But most of the time, that's a symptom of a deeper issue too, though. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. But yeah, who's the real enemy? And for the Pharisees, they misunderstood the, the whole thing. They didn't understand. <laughs> One, they didn't understand who Jesus was, but two, they didn't understand what their role in the kingdom of heaven is. And the fact is the church in many parts of the, of, of the country has also forgotten what our role is. Oh, yeah. 
and we have started to, I don't even know if started is the right word. We have begun to be, we, we're Pharisees in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's not every church, every person, everything, but, but take a look around. Are you, you know, saying it, you know, we don't want those people in our church? You know, are you, are you forgetting who the real enemy is? Mm-hmm. Are you rejoicing when? Are you, yeah, are you rejoicing when sinners find their way to Jesus? Yeah. Whew, good stuff today, Amanda. I always thoroughly enjoy our conversations. Uh, Me too. Because there's always something to learn. Always something to learn. So I think we'll call it. You got any final thoughts? I know you're going to say. No, uh-uh. no I don't, Jenny. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Um, I don't. I, I feel like I've had my final thoughts. No acceptable losses in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, no. Remember who the enemy is. And remember that um, God really does love, quote unquote, those people. Those are my final thoughts. Oh, oh, those are good ones. So you're gonna so you're gonna do our clothes too. Do you remember do you remember what I always well, say? As we always say, friends. Wait, what do we say? No. No, I lost God it. Bless. How do I God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others? I found awesome. it. We'll catch you guys next time.